0: All right, this is Shane from the BC Podcast. We are here again with Mr. Pete Peterson, Superintendent of Cuyahoga-Benton School District. Uh, We're starting to get pretty uh, consistent with this. I I, I like this, that uh, after effect of uh, what happened during the school board meeting. And now that we're on a Thursday recording this, uh, I like we're going to get some uh, updates from the health department. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, my first question is, February 1st, is that the set date yeah. for the middle school, the sixth graders? Correct. Um, when, when we were at the board
1: meeting on Monday night, um, during my reopening update that's a standing agenda item, uh, my report to the board was consistent with what I had what I'd spoken with the board about in, in the previous week which was that our, our target date has and is and will be February 1st uh, to start our middle school kids back. And the the only question really was was not the sixth graders because, and, and a little background, transitions. Anytime you transition from one school to the next, it doesn't matter if it's in our community, it doesn't matter if it's in big districts like Seattle, where there are multiple thousands of kids moving grade levels. The transition from fifth grade to sixth grade is single the single biggest transition in a kid's education because they're going from an all-day scenario in elementary to now they're going to a secondary scenario where they're moving between classes where there's no recess. And... My thought from the get-go with this whole thing was we want to really focus on making sure that our sixth graders got an adequate transition, especially when you figure there hasn't been a single person in a regular school environment except our elementary. But I mean, before the, the, this transition, they hadn't been in school in 11 months. Right. So yeah, uh, we are starting with sixth graders on February 1st. And what I told the board is the only, the only change that could happen is simply that we I am pressing and did press for as long a period to just get sixth graders in as possible to get them adjusted. Um, when you come in as sixth grader, you're also now at the bottom of the, of the pecking order, so to speak, just like, right. well, when you were a fifth grader, you were at the top and you were that way for a couple of years, fourth and fifth grades at the top. Well, now you're back at the bottom those are social adjustments that kids have to make. right So we're going to be opening on February 1st for sixth grade. Um, Originally, the the district was pushing to have seventh graders come in on Wednesday, Um, but after discussions, and and it really is my personal preference too, we are gonna have sixth graders only in the building for the first five days of school. So that first week is gonna be sixth grade only. The high school uh, will go as we had described to the board, the ninth graders are coming in on, on the eighth. And with our middle school, the seventh graders will come in on the eighth for one day of transition for those two groups. And then eighth grade comes in on the ninth. And at the same time, separate building at the high school, the 10th, 11th and 12th graders will be in on the the ninth as well. So, two things that I wanted to make sure that the district communicated to people, to the community, and to parents we're starting on the first for middle school, and we're starting on the eighth for high school. Those dates are intact. And my goal of getting everybody in, everybody who's sixth grade through 12th grade, is in school by February 9th. Important for me, not from the standpoint of the date necessarily. But once we start down the road, we we understand um, once we get kids in, it's a it's a quick transition for kids who have already been in the buildings. Okay. They know okay. the seventh and eighth graders are going to know where they're supposed to go. The 10th through 12th graders are going to know where they're supposed to go. The sixth graders is the biggest by far. And I think we do sixth grade kids and their families a big service by giving them a full week because they're a fish out of water and uh even though they've technically been sixth graders all year and they've been online it's not the same so we'll get them taken care of all the rest of secondary comes back on the eighth and ninth as we had planned and we're good to go absolutely i'm, I'm, I'm extremely pleased
0: i have a quick question here yeah just as a understanding of the transition um ninth grade is also a big transition year it why is there a, why are you not having them the same time as the sixth?
1: Um, the ninth grade, the transition is similar, um, but a couple things with, with ninth graders. First off, um, traditionally, the high school has always done one day with freshmen. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a consistent tradition that they've done that. Quite frankly, if we can get the sixth graders for a week, once we're even totally normal, I'd be in favor of that personally. But that's just me. So um, but the ninth graders, the other catch is in the middle school you have a group of teachers that is almost consistently only sixth grade, only um, seventh yeah, grade, fun. only eighth grade. At the high school, you could have a math class. For an advanced student, where a freshman is in class with juniors and seniors potentially, okay, or, that
0: makes sense. That makes or PE
1: sense. classes or or band is another one. So there's not as much leeway um, once when we start ninth grade. Most of our staff is going to be there anyway because there's too many classes that that shift between the grade levels. Okay, um,
0: that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's it's convenient, but it also means that we get everybody else in faster. There, with those classes, what, the one thing again, and I'm, and I'm not being critical of other districts that are trying to do it because it's simply a different model. But the idea of keeping freshmen in class and then trying to teach online to your upperclassmen at the same time is just—that's too much for. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Wow. So we're we're going in person, and that really really is a focus of mine too. Is I don't want anybody wondering at home, a, a mom or a dad or a grandma saying, gosh, is Johnny supposed to be online right now? Or are they supposed to be at school? Uh, uh-uh. We're all, we're at school and homework will be assigned and given if they need to have it for the next day when their other classes are going, but we're, we're back in person as much as the, just the Department of Health will let us be.
0: Well, that rolls us down to a question I had. Will students be able to be fully online if they don't feel comfortable coming back to the school?
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked. And the simple answer is yes. And that's across all grade levels. When we came back at the elementary level, we said we have an online opportunity. It's not the one everybody right now prefers. I mean, everybody loves having a teacher they've always had. Uh, But in-person has to be our first priority. And then if you need an online experience, we can get you one. And one of the things I shared with a couple community members is if we do have enough students to warrant creation of a new type of system where one of our teachers is online at the secondary level, uh, much as it has been, we may not have the same teacher you always had online, but if the, if the numbers show the need, we'll do it. Um, And that's why it's, it's, you know, as I stated in the, at the school board meeting we have put up two surveys and due to technical issues they they're going up today guaranteed in fact they're probably up right now but um, we've got new brand new surveys even though some of the questions are the same asking people to identify if they want those online opportunities send us the names of the kids and then also tell us which online you would prefer and I have to say prefer because as passionate as I know some parents are about keeping their kids in the system that they currently have, I can't do it for just four or five kids. We can't
0: take... Yeah, that makes sense.
1: We can't take a teacher out of a class of 15 who are in person and put them in a class of five online. Yeah. We, we get enough kids, and I'm talking 30, 40 kids, we could probably make that happen. And I'm committed to doing that if the need is there.
0: Okay, cool. Very good information there. Um, going back... As we're opening up, and I don't know what the latest the health department has, so we'll find out about that. Is this actually a safe thing to do, putting our kids back in the school?
1: I, I The one thing that I've refused to do over the course of this entire pandemic is is for me to spout as an expert, because I'm not an expert in that. Okay. Um, I'm a I'm a school administrator. I've got lots of teaching in that. And granted, I've I've gone through a lot of Department of Health stuff, so I, I know entirely too much about communicable diseases and prevention <laughs> mitigation efforts. I know too much that I never wanted to know. But I have zero problem stating that that from the, the Department of Health and the CDC's standpoint, and they are the experts, it's safer at school when the protocols are followed than it is anywhere else out in our society right now we're held to a significantly higher standard than they are even in the business community about making sure that safeguards are in place um again if the protocols are followed not whether you agree with them or not that's right that's a different question
0: (laughs) entirely different question
1: if teachers and staff members follow and they will the staff members will not only do they demand it but we demand it as a district and they want it for themselves Um, If you follow the masking guidelines and you follow the social distancing guidelines around the six-foot barrier between students, between staff and students, or student-to-student, the chances of of communicable disease being communicated is is reduced significantly and and has been shown. Um, If you get a chance, take a look at the CDC information that just came out on Tuesday There's a great study that the federal government did of schools in Wisconsin. Uh, When they reopened, when they reopened with protocols, the rate of transition was almost non-existent at school compared to the, the bigger community, the overall community. Right. So um, because our standards are higher than they are even in, in work-related issues or, 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 or other ventures outside of school, you follow the rules when you're in school, you're, you're, you've are you're got a, a very, very slim chance of anything actually happening. And I can tell you the only time that there has been anything happening in schools in our region, and I've, I've talked specifically with Dr. Person at Department of Health uh, in our weekly meetings, it's 99% of the time, any issue that happens has becomes is because people become complacent or lenient in their enforcement of the protocols. And I guarantee that isn't going to happen uh, with our kids in Benton City.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I know in a couple other environments we've had uh, where high, high level of um, safety protocols and hygiene protocols have been put in place. We haven't had any issues there as well. So, if the, yep. if the school district is holding to that standard, then yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited for these kids. I know they've been pretty tired being at home all this time.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things I would reference is um, um, if you're one of the 15,000 adults who's currently working on the Hanford site, they have ex- the same level of extremely strict protocols that, that we do, and they work in a lot tighter situations for that number of people. Um, when they're following the protocols as adults, they're not seeing transmission happening at their workplace in a group of 15,000 on a single site. So uh, luckily, we don't have to deal with 15,000 kids. We, we're very happy with the 1,300 we have, but um, it's, it's go- it is going to work. And in no way does that diminish the right or desire of a parent to keep their kids home and to do something different, uh, more power. To you, I respect you for that, and I'll never question anybody who says I want to keep my kid home. That's your right as a parent, and I respect it. So, we're just going to make it rock and roll, regardless of the method that the parents choose. Uh, we're going to we're going to get it going.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's that's going to be great. Um, so th- we've bounced around some of my questions. Is there yeah. any last comment you would like to make about the uh, transitioning to the middle school and the high school? Trans uh, returning to the in person before we jump to the next topic
1: well just real real quick is the there is a significant amount of of i don't want to call it fear but certainly people have this have this feeling that secondary kids are are more likely to get it or they're more likely to transmit it and all of the studies that i made reference to uh are at all grade levels Um, The mitigation efforts between elementary and secondary, if they're the same, the mitigation works exactly the same. We've had zero student-to-student transmissions uh, at our elementary that's been open for right at at three months. We've had zero student-to-staff transmissions. Um, So when I talked to the secondary staff, I said, go talk to your colleagues at the elementary um, who, quite frankly, when we were in school in December, we had double the rate of infection that we currently do now, um, and they were protected because they followed the guidelines. So, um, I'm 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 proud of the fact that for three months we've shown they work, and I'm 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 ready to go with the with the older kids and and really show our community we know what we're doing and we've taken the precautions to get them back.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for those. Absolutely. Well, moving on to. Uh, something that was come up at the board meeting there was a conversation about uh some levy money from i believe it would be previous years uh previous years levy money to fund part of the district sports maybe i got that confused it or is it no it's levy money so yeah, it, it would is. have been um where is that money going to be able to be distributed through the various programs or is the main focus going to be at sports
1: well this is this is the commitment that the board and the district is 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 keeping quite frankly um everybody knows that levy funds athletics that is out there for everybody to to follow um when we shut down sports last spring there was the, the common idea out there that we didn't spend money um, that we had budgeted for sports. That, and that is absolutely true. We didn't spend money that we had budgeted for sports. Um, but the, the key in that, in that discussion is that levy dollars aren't allotted on a per program basis. Oh, okay. You know, the levy, you know, the individual members of our community that vote on levies simply vote on this is the amount that the schools are going to ask for and we believe that they are going to use them as they have in the past. So in the past, we've always used a significant amount of those dollars, I want to say about 21% of the overall levy budget towards those sports. Well, we didn't budget for sports this current school year because we wanted to take as much money as we could Knowing that sports weren't going to be allowed anyway from the state, we used levy dollars to fund computers, technology, hotspots, those types of things. And so there, there is this question of, well, what about the money that was left over? Well, it's not really left over. It's simply, it's simply put into a different pot to be Reality. used for other things that the levy has been allotted for in the past. Okay. But now I say a big but here. Because it's it is quite frankly it's very easy uh, to say if you didn't spend this money on this it should go towards this in the future and I didn't want to argue that point and I didn't want to to uh, make it seem like we were trying to push the money in other directions without without people being asked to do that. Um, so we're going to commit that the amount the amount of money that we didn't spend on spring athletics is going to be the seed funding for any fundraising or any other thing we have to do when athletics are allowed in, in their full form like we're used to. Um, so it's not going to be, I mean, as I said earlier, it was a portion of the spring sports. Okay. So if the, if the total sports program is you know, in the 750 to a $1 million range, and I just don't have the number exactly in front of me, um, about a third of that would have gone into spring sports. And then about a third of that was actually used for supplies because we didn't know where this thing was going. Supplies were bought many months before the, the pandemic shut us down. Some of those funds were allotted. Some of the high school kids actually started spring sports before the shutdown. We obviously have to pay coaches for that amount of time, but everything that we saved past the shutdown point, we're committed to moving forward then into any athletics that we're able to get going here with the pandemic. Cause right now, as of, as of January 28th at uh, 10, 10 or 1130, you know, we still can't compete interscholastically regardless of what the WIAA says. Right. Um, our County is not going to allow it until we get to a certain point, but when we get to the point, then it's going to be a larger discussion of, okay, what are we going to fund? What are we not going to fund? And that again is, is part of that survey question you asked because that's, that's the second part of the active survey that went up today is even though folks have already answered a month or two ago, we need a, you know, we're starting at day one. We wiped all the responses clean. We want to know because people's perceptions change and people's ideas change
0: well in this uh, time everything has to be very fluid because everything changes within 24 hours
1: correct and so we, we've gone out with a with a third um sports related survey that again says if your kids are planning on sports where do your priorities lie um you know my my personal priority and this is not the district this is simply pete talking is I'm hell-bent that if we're allowed to do so, we go, we'll go with spring sports fully because those are all the kids who lost out last year. They'd be the only ones to lose out for a full two years. I want those kids, but that's me. If the community says we want all varsity sports at the high school to get priority, um, then we're going to go that route. Um, if, if the... Community says, you know what, we are okay with all of the high school sports and none of the middle school. That's a consideration as well. Okay. I, I think the biggest thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest thing that people have to understand is simply that um, the district will live within the financial box that it's given by the voting public. That's that's how we play. And if if in one area funding is reduced. Um, we're going to listen to the community and say, okay, we've got a new box to play in. These are the parameters now, but what are your priorities? Tell us what your priorities are so that we can, if we have to, we can shut down other programs in lieu of money, more money going to sports or other activities. Okay. Um, that's why it's so important that anybody who, who listens or watches today Gets online and looks at any of the surveys, but especially the survey that's specifically oriented to the community around athletics, because that's going to go to the board and and guide some of their decision making.
0: Got that down there. Surveys. Um, As you've talked about and I've talked about, we have a little bit of a bias about uh, the music program Mm-hmm. is the music program going to be able to fall somewhat in the same direction as the sports when it comes to being able to open up? Or because sports is outside, music is going to have to fall under a different set of rules?
1: Well, music, music, unfortunately, is going to be one of those areas that, that quite frankly, there are still restrictions on from the Department of Health um, again, as part of the new CDC guidance, they changed their guidance around music a bit. Um, and that's something folks can look up, but I've also got it, got it here. Um, because the catch-22 with music is the arts are also a graduation requirement. So that's the catch-22 is the fact that even though we fund music through our levy, Some music at the high school level especially has to be offered because it's a graduation requirement. So you get into that precarious situation of where things that we have funded with levy dollars in the past, we're now gonna have to fund with basic ed dollars to give those kids the chance to graduate, quite frankly. Uh, We have to do that. So music at the high school in one form or another has to be offered uh, in the short term versus the long term. Um, and that's really the only place we get into that that scenario where we're going to have to spend some money that we might have spent in other program areas on some music offerings for the kids who aren't good at um, drawing or painting or other art- artistic, yeah, exactly, me too. <laughs> um, other artistic endeavors, those kids who have grown up with the arts have to be opp- given the opportunity to graduate in the art class that they've they've worked towards. Um we know at, at the elementary, currently, we don't have a music program, um, and that was a result of us getting kids back at a time when music cannot be offered, quite frankly, um, and we're not, gonna, we're not going to make a shift in the middle of the year um, to try and, and recreate the wheel, so to speak. We, we need all of our staff who are currently teaching what they're teaching to stay teaching what they're teaching. Um, that makes sense. And the, the middle school is really the one that it seems like the middle school kind of gets a short end of the stick sometimes, and they they do. Um, at this point, we're we're not looking at middle school because we're really we're really focusing on the middle school getting kids back up to speed in their academic areas. We have to, regardless of how well or didn't how well we didn't do, whatever your opinion is of the past eleven months. Um, All kids, K through 12, are going to have a significant lag in what they could have achieved versus how we were forced to do business in the pandemic. We have to focus on those areas, bottom line. And we owe that to the community. That's part of basic education. I mean, you remember as well as I do, reading, writing, and arithmetic was the focus for so long, and not even ideally, it has to be the focus on all of our students, but especially middle school coming back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good information about the music. I didn't know it was a requirement. I just always loved it.
1: <laughs> well, and music itself isn't the requirement because there are amazing art. kids that we have that are excellent at painting, drawing, or quite frankly, a, uh, a technical course where they can do um, art through web design and art through uh, computer aid design. Those are all considered art courses at the same time too
0: really cat is a art cat uh,
1: can be considered an art it's a great thing
0: huh. that's a good double uh, ability there engineering and uh, your art department that okay yeah. i like that
1: yeah absolutely so those are the types of things we have to keep in mind that we have to give everybody an opportunity to get a year of art somehow and i think where the big discussion goes from there is um, we have allowed kids in the past to take a full four years of band or a full four years of PE or a full four years of of electives, for lack of a better term. OK, we may need you just to take what your graduation requirements are and then focus on your other graduation requirements, because um, we are our, our, our singular focus at the high school has to be getting kids to meet the graduation requirements so they're ready to go to college or go to work or wherever that, that chooses to take them into the military or or volunteerism. Uh, whatever the case is, when they when they leave our doors, they have to be ready to go on to something.
0: Okay. All right. Um, this is kind of a side question to the uh, sports aspect. With us not being able to, at this time, do the inner uh, schools, go playing ahead. inner schools, has the school district considered doing like AB teams just so there's some sports activities going on?
1: Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I've thrown out to our athletic directors is the idea of when we get back in and when we get things settled, if we're not able to do any interscholastic um, and heck, this may even fall upon our PE people. uh, What are some of the things we can do internally to get kids active, to get them moving, to get them, quite frankly, to get them exercise and to get them some competition internally, if we have to, um, and, and that's met with widespread approval, um, from everybody we've talked to is that if, if the, at the end of the day, <coughs> we can't go over to, to Riverview or Finley or Prosser and do an interscholastic thing, what's it going to take to do that, uh, internally. So those are definitely discussions that are happening.
0: I'm, uh was thinking of a whole P.E. classroom doing uh, yoga and Tai Chi with the, right. would solve a lot of uh, of the inner contact and social distancing rules, I would think. But that's a whole other topic.
1: Right. I mean, in the, the scenarios, even within P.E., you know, we can't we can't at this point in time uh, say to our P.E. classes, have a basketball tournament because the kids will be way too close to each other. Um, Even in the sports uh, arenas where right now we're able to do conditioning um, outside and inside, um, conditioning type of activities, not formal practices, kids still have to wear masks to do that. So, um, you know, we're gonna do everything we can within the limits uh, that the DOH and CDC has put before us to make something happen here for kids.
0: Okay um jumping down to the forever fun part the levy oh yeah (laughs) the levy um where is there kind of an area that we're at with that what's is there a little bit you can share about what's moving forward with that yeah absolutely
1: um your timing of course is impeccable because uh tonight we are going to have a, a levy committee meeting which is the group of of volunteers from our community and from our staff who get together and they they are the ones who lead the discussion and um for anybody out there who who doesn't know i cannot for instance lead a pro levy discussion that is not part of my job description it's not part of my ability to do so legally i can only provide factual information about what will or will not be funded about it or If it passes, what would it fund? If it doesn't pass, what could potentially get cut? Those are the types of, of things that I'm in charge of. So we have we have community folks who are in charge of the actual going out and 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 making decisions around amounts that the levy would ask for, um, and to really be more proactive in that regard. So that's on them. That meeting is tonight o'clock, six o'clock. You're Great. interested in that, in that Julie Reinschmidt, who is a parent of kids, who's a, a staff member in another district, but a community member here and a school board member. Uh, she's the chair of that committee. You can contact Julie by email and ask her to be a part of that if you'd like to. I um, do actually.
0: I'm hoping to actually get to that meeting tonight.
1: Yeah, that's uh, tonight at six o'clock. But in in going back to your bigger question, what that is going to lead us to is, as I mentioned at the last school board meeting, our next school board meeting is going to be the, the time and place that the board has to determine if they want to put a levy measure in front of the, the community in April. Um, and that's going to be out of the levy discussion tonight, and then a lot of our discussion at the board meeting uh, on the 20th, or excuse me, Today's the 28th. I want to say it's the 6th of February or the 8th. It's the 8th. Um, So a lot of that conversation is going to be directly to not only, obviously, we are going to run a levy at some point. And the the question to answer on the evening of the 8th with the board is, is it one that they're going to take an action to approve a resolution to put one on the ballot for April? The board doesn't, can do that. The board can choose not to, the board can choose, no, you know what, we're just getting back to school. We're gonna shoot for next August, which would be the next opportunity. Um, so it really, it really is gonna depend a lot on tonight's meeting. And again, on the meeting on the eighth, what the board decides to do. And as a, as a person who works for the board of directors and for the community as a whole, um it's not my job to say yay or nay it's my job to put into place the actions that the board takes on that so um if they decide to move ahead then it's it's my job to provide factual information at anyone's request um and it's up to the levy committee to put out whatever they want to put out
0: okay well i'm everybody knows based on one of my last uh videos I, I make no secret i am a convert have been converted to passing levies i have been a kind of an anti in the past but we we really need to get that levy passed the value of a, of the electives <laughs> are uh, are important for scholastics and i see that now so please if well, you, for those well, out there please do go to these meetings get involved and be active in it
1: one of the things that I can say, and this is entirely again, this is fact based um, and it's true for myself it's true for you, Shane. So when we get a tax statement, when we get our tax bill, when we're doing our own personal taxes and looking at taxes that we've paid in the past. We don't have control over so much of that, meaning I don't have uh, the control over my local sales tax, even though I'm a voter. I don't have control over what happens with dollars that go to the state, whether it's for state education money, whether it's for other state uh, jurisdictions who collect taxes from everybody who votes. Um, when you're talking about a school levy, you are absolutely talking about a local decision by local community members for their local schools. It doesn't go anywhere else. It goes from our camp, from our County to us then based entirely on local decision making so the it's really the it's one of the few places where you as a taxpayer get to say yes I support this tax or don't support this tax but I know either way the dollars I give or the dollars I don't are going to be locally used they're not going into some pot with with the governor's office or with state or OSPi or anything like that it's our dollars so Um, it really is a, it's a chance for local, what little local determination we seem to have these
0: days. That's one of them. Excellent. Good to know on that. Um, real quick, completely off topic of all these other things is the school board talked about a debit cards. I think you actually, uh, shared this. Can you tell us a little bit about the debit cards and the benefits coming to the school for it? Right. So
1: GISA uh, credit union is a very established credit union, both here in the Tri-City region and throughout the state. And uh, GISA likes to partner with local school districts uh, as a way to um, get its brand, the GISA brand, in front of people, but at the same time uh, support schools financially. So uh, with the approval Uh, that the board made to step, to to move forward with the program is simply the idea, anybody watching or listening that might have had a kid in a a Kennewick school district, high school, or um, I believe Richland is involved as well, uh, you had the opportunity to get a a debit card like you have now from GISA, but it would, in our case, it will be stamped with uh, Kyvie Bears. It'll be blue, have our logo on it. And the more swipes of that card that you do, um, a, a percentage of that purchase will then go into a fund that's designated for
0: Kybe School District. Oh, that was the part I was missing in the board meeting. Yeah. Okay.
1: And obviously, um, because there's a lot of people who have GISA cards, it's, it's not a huge amount per purchase. It couldn't be, they they'd lose an enormous amount of money, but, right. uh, what they're, what they're saying is that they guarantee, uh, the amount of $5,000 to go into, um, Kybe schools, uh, elective funding, so to speak, um, that we can use however we choose to do it. Um, and the they guarantee is the first year at least $5,000, and then at the years after that, then it really is, it's based on the number of times that people swipe their debit cards if you choose to participate. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a GISA member, I've been for, for a long time in a couple different communities, and I'll, I'll get a card that says Kybie Bears, anytime I use that debit card, um, it'll get chalked up to... Uh, a very a small percentage of the purchase goes to Benton City to come back to us in the way of local financing. So it's a way for GISA, you know, what does GISA get out of this? Well, they get their name in front of people. And if you're like me, your, their name has already been in front of me, but it gives us a way to, to help uh, give back a little bit from GISA directly. And then GISA will also um, offer uh, anyone with that card, they they want to be able to offer you um, financial advice and other incentives uh, directly to you as a card member and a and a card holder, um, and that's that's the benefit that a person would see. Is you know, as a part of that, you can then get access to some of those. Um, if, if GISA has a program where they're rolling out in a month a, a certain financial piece of financial advice or a certain program, you may get to find out about it sooner than the
0: general public. Right. And that's a good thing. Definitely. All right. Well, that's all I have for uh, this time around. I, I appreciate your time. I know you've been hitting meeting after meeting after meeting this week. So, uh, again, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Absolutely. Anytime, Shane. Thanks to everybody listening and
0: watching. And please don't forget, get online, get those surveys going.